Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. When this episode comes out, it is going to be my birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to be 26. The ripe old 26. I know. I'm 26 and I've never had any marriage proposals, (laughs) which is um, tragic. Did you think that you'd be married by the time you were 25? 26. No, I thought I'd be married at 26. I thought that as well. That was the age in my head, I think, as well. I was like, oh, 26, I'll be married and have kids and stuff. No, I I was going to be married at 26. This is, as a child, my thought process. Married at 26 and have babies at 28. Because 26, when you're 10, seems very old. No, but I thought that when I was like 16. I was like, yeah, 26 would be a good age to like get married. Okay. And I'm 24 and I'm not even a girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) Tragic. Uh, It really is tragic. Anyway, let's not dwell on that. I'm going to be spending my birthday at the spa. Lovely. It's very decadent thing to do isn't it well that's one of my sounds of the week actually oh oh let's go straight into that then i went on a spa day on monday lovely i was very lucky a couple of the liveries treated me and my trainer samantha to a spa day they didn't treat me though no, you're not worth treating <laughs> i'm not worth treating yeah that that was very nice wasn't it it was quite rogue of why them, am i saying it was really nice. i wasn't there <laughs> it was quite rogue of them to be fair i wasn't expecting it because it's not like it was either our birthdays or like even christmas coming up but no. it was very much appreciated and it was very very lovely that's nice what's been lame then this week Oh no, I've got another sound as well. Oh, she's had a great week. The clock's changing. Oh, extra hour in bed. Absolutely fantastic. Now, I know so many people online and everyone think as like, oh my God, an hour of daylight has gone. You know, it makes life so much harder. And I'm like, you get an extra hour in bed. For me, I don't mind the dark evenings. It's the mornings that I struggle with, like a dark morning, but we haven't got that yet, but... No. But no, I heard on the radio that they were saying, though, that people that do night shifts technically have to work an extra hour. Oh, my God. And I never thought of that before. So, like, if you're a bouncer for a club or, like, if you're an NHS nurse or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one in the same... Two one of the same thing. Different <laughs> You have to work an extra hour. Gosh. I know, I never thought of that Crikey. before. But I actually felt really rested the next day. Like, I felt yeah. like I had an extra hour. I'm still enjoying it now. Yeah. Like, four del- or five days later. Delicious. <laughs> I think my lame, to be fair, is, like, I did nothing for Halloween. Oh, yeah. It passed by with, like, no nothing. This is the first year that I've done nothing for really? Halloween. Yeah. Really? And I think that's, like... Very pivotal moment in life. It's a sign of adulthood, I feel like. Because also, I spoke to some friends about it. And I was like, oh, are you doing anything for Halloween? And, like, all my friends were working, like, over the weekend yeah. and stuff. And it's just like, oh, my God, are we that age now that, like... It just doesn't happen. No. But also, that brings me on to, like, a pet peeve of mine, is that I can't stand it when people don't dress up as something scary for Halloween. <laughs> I know you hate that, don't oh, you? Oh, <laughs> it really annoys me. Like, you have people that are like, oh, I'm a disco ball. And I'm like, what the hell has that got to do with Halloween? Yeah, it's not like... Or like Kendall Jenner went as Marilyn Monroe and I'm like... Did she? Yeah. She posted on Instagram a picture of her and she was like, happy Halloween and she was Marilyn Monroe. And I was like, that's not scary. No. You've not got the assignment No, she needed to go as the vet bill. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi Klum went as a peacock and her husband went as an egg. (laughs) Google it, it's the funniest thing. He's literally just like an egg. Oh, very frightening. I know. That annoys me. 
Yeah, okay. I remember at uni when I had a Halloween party, I was the only girl that actually was like legitimately terrifying. <laughs> and you didn't go dressed up. Literally a boy, like, <laughs> no boy would come near me. I had like a white face, black eyes, yeah. contacts in, a bright red clown wig. Like, oh I was my God. Like, <laughs> But isn't Crikey. that the point? I mean, I don't know. I'm not really into Halloween. I went and did a yoga session on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really frightening. That is frightening. Yeah. No, actually, that's one of my sounds of the week. So I really enjoyed the experience. So we haven't even mentioned horses yet. <laughs> it's like five minutes in. I think I prefer Pilates, though, to Yeah, yoga. I'd say I prefer it. But I liked the meditation and like the teacher brought around like lavender oils and stuff. That's really nice. Yeah, it was very nice. And also it is sort of related to horses because I think like this is a topic that we could talk about maybe in the future of exercise outside of riding and like that whole debate. Yeah. I feel like Pilates does help me a little bit. I feel like I contributed to the beginning of that debate with an article I wrote <laughs> very many, very many controversial years ago. <laughs> yeah many years ago I wrote an article about um rider fitness and uh anyway I'll leave it at that <laughs> that that'll be for a future episode but yeah that was one of my sounds of the week oh nice that. what, what was about? my other sound I had something else that I was like oh <laughs> today Evie told me literally like my new favorite story ever <laughs> We were out hacking today and for some unre- unknown reason we were talking about like racehorses. I don't know why we were talking about it. Serious conversation. No idea. You know when you're just hacking and just God only knows what you're talking about. But anyway, we were talking about that and Effie then said... <laughs> it's not even going to be funny when I encounter it, but to me it was so funny. Also, I was a child. Might I add like... You might want to add that. I'm not. This wasn't like a week ago. <laughs> she wrote down on a piece of paper, "Red Rum." <laughs> what did you then do? I wrote "Red Rum" backwards, and it spelled out "murder," and I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I think the fact that I also just didn't understand what you were saying for such a long time because I'm so dyslexic. You thought I was joking. Does that I, was and I was like, like, no, it literally... Red rum backwards spells out murder. I couldn't believe it. It literally blew my brain. And I was like, he was murdered. He was literally murdered. It was prophesied. <laughs> I was like six or like seven or something. I was very little. Oh, my God. So that that was my sound. I've been laughing about that all day. And it's, You cried. Um, I actually cried. I cried. And like, You're the crying horse, now. The horses spooked and you were like, Jesus Christ. And I was still just laughing. <laughs> laughing away. Yeah, I'm crying now, actually. Sorry about that. Lame of the week. The weather is not weathering. Oh, yeah. Isn't it Storm Cleo or something? Have I just made that up? <laughs> Cleo? Isn't it Storm Cleo? <laughs> Storm Cleopatra? Have I made that up? Storm Cleo? I don't know. Also, it does annoy me, though, that storms are always named after women. No, they're not. They're always named after men. I thought it was women. No, there's like Storm David, like, crashing about <laughs> all the time. God, that famous Storm... No, because don't... That don't famous Storm start. David, he was a nightmare. <laughs> don't they start? I thought it's women as well, like Storm Agnes and, like, things like that. Yeah, but don't they start each year, whether it's, like, an El Nino or, an, or a La Nina? El yeah. Nino? <laughs> I don't... You're talking in riddles. 
understand. No, no, the years. There's oh. El Nino and La Nina. You literally are talking about it. <laughs> no, I'm not. It's I like the know. air currents around know. the world. Yeah. One's female, one's male. Okay. Uh, that's definitely not, but that's what the name is. And I think then whichever year we're in, it then follows what the storms are going to be called. And they oh. start at the beginning of like a certain day and it's A. Okay. And it goes all the way along. That's my understanding of it. I think it's Storm Cleo right now. I've, well, I've, we've only had three then this year. Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know either because there's never like Storm Xavier or something. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't we don't get down that far. No. Anyway, I'm really sorry. I've hardly spoken about horses and this. Sorry about the um, slightly chaotic lame and sound, but now we're moving back into our regular programming with the dilemmas. So dilemma number one, how do you overcome nerves and self-doubt when competing? I don't know, but I'd love to have an answer to that. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're certainly not alone. We all have nerves and self-doubt, I feel like. And I think that's pervasive in whatever industry you're in, whether you're competing as an athlete or whether you're working in an office. I would say my best bit of advice would be speak speak to someone about it, a professional of some degree, not us, we're not professionals in any degree. Yeah, I think that's really hard though, because I think often you have to pay. So I think even though that's a great option, it's only if you have the finances to do that, really. So I've had quite a lot of help in like sports psychology spheres before and obviously Evie with her little first in psychology obviously knows a lot more than I do but the bits of advice that I've been given before is go through your test or your competition literally go through the whole day in your mind and go through like all the possible scenarios that can happen and how you want the day to go and be successful and easy so that you almost trick your mind into thinking that you've already done it before if you like go okay right I'm in my mind I'm going through my dressage test and I know which arena I'm in and I'm counting down the center line I'm halting and I'm doing the aids and I'm doing this and this and you go through it then when you actually physically do it your mind is like oh we've already done this it's easy yeah so do that for me I mean I think you need to sort of contextualize how you're feeling and that nerves aren't necessarily a bad thing I mean they can be actually quite a productive response especially in terms of competing the whole fight or flight complex is there to like serve you as well so I mean, obviously, that's within reason. You don't want your nerves to completely take over to the extent that you underperform. But then I think on the flip side of that, nerves can serve you in actually achieving what you want to achieve. Because it's like with exams at school, it can help actually having that adrenaline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so I would almost think that nerves can be a good thing. But for me, it's how you label your nerves because, I mean, your emotions and what you're experiencing, you're assigning a label to that. Yes. For instance, like nerves and being nervous, that feeling is the exact same as excitement. You know, it's that like yeah. butterfly sort of adrenaline rush. So I think perhaps even in your mind as well, rather than seeing it, oh my God, I'm nervous. I'm going to do really badly because I'm nervous. Actually think, oh, I'm quite excited or like I've got an adrenaline rush. I'm ready to go and almost reframe your mindset surrounding the nerves at least and almost try and use it to like perform better. Because I find anyway that if I've got a bit of an adrenaline rush, my senses are actually heightened and like I go yeah. for it more that's like nature isn't it yeah exactly whereas on the flip side of that self-doubt 
is not adaptive, I would say. So for me, listening to that dilemma, I think, well, nerves can be a good thing. They can serve you, but self-doubt doesn't and it never will. Now, how would you say is the best way to get rid of self-doubt then? For me, I always try and contextualise how I'm feeling. So where is this self-doubt coming from? And what is the self-doubt relating to? So for instance, just off the top of my head, is it something like I'm not good enough? That sort of feeling. And then I try and compare that feeling well to actually the evidence presented. For example, me, if I thought I'm not good enough to do dressage, then I would think, well, what evidence suggests that I'm not? And then I would look back and think, well, I joined BD two years ago. I started at Novice. I'm now at PSG. I've been to the Nationals. You know, and you list things out and you're like, actually, that thought that I'm thinking is irrational and it's not related to real life and like actual past experiences. So one thing you can do, I would say, is establish where the thought is coming from and almost like present evidence in your mind of the facts of is that actually true also what I would do as well which I think is an important point is establish a support network and approach them and almost just explain how you're feeling so for me if I'm feeling a bit down or like low self-esteem or like oh it's just not going well like I'm not good enough or whatever and everyone has that you know there's peaks and troughs in life all the time I will then go to like my parents or my friends and I'll just say oh I just feel like I'm not good enough and then if they're a good supportive network they will come to you and be like of course you're good enough because of xyz look what you've achieved and sometimes you just need that support and for me I think those are the two main options at least of sort of overcoming self-doubt that was really good I really enjoyed listening (laughs) to that I was literally like wow I need to do this but yeah exactly whatever you just said always like bring it back to riding I think as well it's it's the pressure that you're mounting on yourself so you have self-doubt because you're feeling as though the present you is not achieving what you want to be achieving so I think as well you've just got to like be kinder to yourself and just put things into perspective and always look back on your journey and about what you've achieved and how far you've come and just because you're going down the low point at the moment doesn't mean that there's not going to be a high point in the future you've just got to embrace the up and downs and see it as being all part of the process because I think a lot of self-doubt especially from riders stems from the fact that they're more like outcome oriented so they're like I want to go to this competition I want to get x percent and I want to win they see it like that rather than very black and white yeah or like I've got to win when I go to the regionals I want to win And then that sort of black and white thinking is so destructive because as we know with horses, they're so unpredictable and so many variables are involved in terms of like succeeding that if you don't win, that's really damaging for your self-esteem because then you're thinking I really wanted to win I haven't so I'm rubbish whereas if you become more process oriented you're there more for like the ride you know pardon the pun so you just like go to the regionals and even if you don't win you sort of think well relative to last year I did this or I'm at a higher level than I was last year and it's just a bit more agency and flexibility with how you think so I I think maybe have a look into that as well yeah is what I would suggest that sounds really good really good advice Ebs (laughs) well done (laughs) Well done. Well done. Well done. But yeah, I think as well, just know that you're not alone. Everyone has these feelings and just work on yourself, stick to your own lane, focus on your own journey. Because I think as well, the comparison side of horses is so hard, especially with social media, how that's ever growing as well. It's so easy to go online and see all these super duper horses achieving, you know, they say, don't they, things like Instagram, it's just everyone's highlights real. But oh, then yeah. if you're just looking at that all the time, you're then thinking that everyone's achieving all the time and you're not. And actually we're all the same. We're all in the same boat. We have ups and downs. So just know that, yeah, you've just got to sort of stick it out and you're not alone. Love that. <laughs>
Dilemma number two. Hi there, love the podcast. I have a horse that refuses to move. I am an amateur rider, but feel very uncomfortable going faster as she throws her head up whenever I put my leg on. Please help. Okay, so that sounds rather problematic, I would say. Yeah, tricky one. Yeah, because um, also, like, there's not much wider context to that, so... We're approaching this just from that information alone. Yeah, we're blind. (laughs) We're going in blind. Okay, so my first point of call would be get another rider on the horse and see if the horse goes. See if they can make the horse go, because it could be psychologically between you and the horse. That's a good idea as well, especially considering they said that they're uncomfortable going forward. And that they're an amateur. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say get someone else to ride the horse. If the horse still has the same response, then you need to get the horse checked by the vet. So things like ulcers, kissing spine, you know, teeth. There's a whole list of reasons why your horse wouldn't go. But I would say definitely to start with, you need to get someone else on the horse to see if it will go. Yeah, and not just for like one occasion as well. Because that behaviour from the horse now might be rooted. Yeah, so even if a different rider got on, they might be like, well, no, I don't go because that's just what I've learned. So give it maybe a couple of sessions. Yeah, and then I I would also say that if all of this carries on going and it doesn't get better, then you need to change horses. Because I know, but if you're an amateur rider and you really want to ride and whatnot, but your horse doesn't go, then you're clearly not a good match for each other. Yeah, and I think, again, it comes down to finances, doesn't it, as it always does. Yeah. Like we say, get a different rider on, then go down the sort of veterinary intervention route. So, yeah, kissing spine comes to mind, ulcers. You know, there's so much that you can investigate, your saddle, different bits, you know, stuff like that. Physio, maybe even get the physio out. If your horse is feeling really sore somewhere, that might have an impact. But if you don't have the finances, I think that's when it's really tricky. I would say an old school method you could do is if your horse won't go forward and you don't like to go fast, then see if you can go out for a hack with a friend or something on a horse that is like a really good, sensible hack and just let the herd mentality kick into your horse and just see if your horse will just follow the other one. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because then they won't go too fast because they shouldn't go in front and they will go. Yeah, and just changing the context, like just going outside the arena and just seeing is because actually we know a horse haven't we that just did not want to go in the arena did we who <laughs> <laughs> i just mouthed <laughs> yeah just would not want to go in the arena at all no yeah that yeah very true some actually. of them just don't want to do that no <laughs> unfortunately i don't want to i didn't want to go to school you know <laughs> yeah that's why you stopped that's why i stopped yeah i refuse to move <laughs> yeah but that's definitely that's a really good idea actually maybe also please send us a update if you do any of our suggestions please send us an update oh yeah and let us know how it goes oh yeah because that other person from last week's dilemma she got that job you know the one that went for the job interview oh my god did she yeah she oh messaged god, me being her. like oh i got the job with the grand prix dressage rider oh my god love and that. i was like yeah i was like oh well done general chit chat time and the equestrian world has been a buzz with news stories so evie hit us off well i thought i'd <laughs> i thought i'd kick start with mr austin o'connor shout out man shout Mike. out who won the maryland five star on colorado blue so known as salty 
And he's the first Irish rider to win a five-star since 1965. So that's 58 years. That's scary. I know. I'd also like to say I have ridden Colorado Blue. Oh, yeah. All of one time. I rode him once in the arena and it was a really fun experience and I really enjoyed it, actually. He's owned Salty since before Salty was born, didn't he? Because he owned the mare, the dam. Which I think is just so nice that, like. Really sweet. Because he's like 14 now, isn't he, Salty, I think? So that was lovely. And also, he had such a good run at badminton. I think we spoke about that in season one, how amazing his round was at badminton. It was amazing. And it was like, wow, he really deserves to win a five star. Yeah, he really is an amazing 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 cross-country rider yeah, it's class isn't it we've we've said before we love watching cross-country because we love watching anything be done well yeah and watching austin do cross-country is just it just gets phenomenal around. yeah he really does yeah so that was lovely today and like his interviews afterwards were so wholesome like if anyone hasn't listened to them do look them up because they're so sweet he's always like riders like me don't win five I know, stars and, I know. and he was like oh I, I thought about giving salty to a different rider because i thought i would never be the one to like win one with him yeah. but that he really did deserve to and I was like you do deserve to win one I know I know he so deserves it they're such a lovely family set up and it, I mean it's, it was just amazing isn't it it's just like fairy tale I actually brought it to my eye I won't lie yeah so that was lovely on Love the that. flip side of that there is drama in the dressage world let us tell feel you feel it coming in the air yes yeah so um I need to poop my pants <laughs> I was like oh my god it's like horrible <laughs> <laughs> okay so unless anyone doesn't know Catherine Defer now has the ride on Mount St John Freestyle. Previously ridden by Charlotte Dujardin. Yes. And she is aiming to take Freestyle to the Olympics. Bearing in mind like Catherine Defer and Charlotte Dujardin they're always like pinned as like rivals as well aren't they? I mean they're they're sports rivals. Yeah. Like for sure just like Federer and Nadal. Yeah. Yeah it is like that and like the video on Instagram announcing that Catherine had taken over the ride was so dramatic. It was pretty dramatic. The music. It was pretty dramatic. I got goosebumps. I thought this yeah. so beefy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is it is so beefy and I mean it's so exciting for dressage as well like I can't wait to see Catherine and Freestyle out together I can't wait to compare which I sounds know, so mean I know. but that is what everyone's gonna do I mean hats off to Catherine being brave enough to take that on because there, there wouldn't be a lot of people that I mean Freestyle's an absolutely amazing horse and I would jump at the opportunity to mm. ride her as well but I'm not sure that I would want to face the world <laughs> with it you know no and I feel like it was quite a shock to me actually because freestyle sort of went off the radar yes and then she's just really like appeared with a bang like with a different rider in a different country and it's just like for context in case anyone doesn't know what we're talking about mount st john freestyle is an absolutely outstanding mare charlotte dujardin had her and was riding her up to grand prix and did really quite well at the worlds i believe at the europeans they got eliminated due to blood rule which was a bit dramatic at the time when the olympics came around because of covid and because it was a year later charlotte chose to take geo pumpkin instead of freestyle and then i believe freestyle went back to the owner yeah i think obviously it's a shame that freestyle won't be you know flying our flag but in saying that i don't know quite why it caused a bit of uproar in terms of people commenting on social media like i can't believe they've sold her you know over and yeah. they, they, they should have kept her with a brit and all of that sort of stuff and i was a bit like I see where you're coming from, but also if that mentality actually came to fruition, all of our horses are like KWPM. I know, <laughs> Do I you know. Do you know what I mean? I'm a yeah. bit like, there are plenty of horses that we've ridden that have come from 
overseas. That we've stolen from Europe. If not all of them. Yeah, and precisely that. Are you saying then the people in Holland should be like, oh, we need to keep it here. Like, we can't sell to the Brits, all that sort of stuff. I was a bit like... I know. I found that strange, but... Yeah. So anyway... I can see both sides. That was very dramatic. And we will wait with bated breath to watch Catherine and Freestyle at their first competition. And then the second bit of wild dressage news also vaguely involves Catherine Defer. It's about the auction that was meant to take place involving three Grand Prix dressage horses, which includes Bohemian, who was Catherine Defer's Tokyo ride and was then sold to a Korean rider. Since has followed like a little bit of a dramatic story involving this horse because the horse is known to be quite sensitive and either either like has moments of genius or madness. I'd well, say. yeah, Catherine had to retire, didn't she? A huge show because he wouldn't. Well, go. no, she got eliminated because she couldn't go down oh, center line. I thought she retired at one as well. I don't know. The one that was really bad, and there is a very bad video of it online, like they rung the bell and he just wouldn't move from where he was. Was that Rotterdam? No, that was in Compiègne in France. Yeah, so it's an amazing horse. It's like, oh yeah, if if he goes in, he'll get like 80%, but will he go in, you know? So it's a bit difficult. But I mean, she did come fourth at Tokyo in the music (laughs) with him. So it's still like, you know, Absolutely mega. Yeah, pretty, pretty amazing horse. But yeah, he got sold to a Korean rider who was aiming to take him to Paris. And since then, the Korean rider has given up. And the horse went to Patrick Kittle to do a few competitions and to be sold privately through Patrick Kittle because the Korean rider who no longer wants to ride obviously wants to sell the horses. Then obviously, we don't know the full story, obviously, because we're not involved. (laughs) This is just from like media speculation. But it was like just one morning, this random Instagram post came up from Patrick Kittle about how bohemian was going to be sold at an auction and he put up that you know bohemian's such a sensitive horse and whatnot and he really wanted to keep the ride and he tried to negotiate with the owners and it got a huge amount of social media coverage didn't it yeah it got a lot of traction i would say not great traction either you know it was all in favor for patrick and the horse and like condemning the owners for wanting to sell this horse and i think a lot of people did not like the auction format idea and in response to this the owners of bohemian took him away from patrick gittle back to their yard and wrote some like very beefy like instagram posts like about it and news stories came out about they wanted to sell the horse privately because the horse deserves to go out and do well and not just like be retired from like age 13 which is fair enough and we're going to do it as an auction because they hadn't had much interest in a private sale. And they also put the prices that they wanted for the horses on this like news article. And they want one and a half million for Bohemian. So if anyone... <laughs> so if any... if it, So if all of our listeners... <laughs> Clap <Clint>. together. <laughs> we could what? all buy him. No, but also I think what I found interesting... I mean, I don't really know anything about auctions and things like that. I think what a lot of people weren't comfortable with was the idea that it was like a public auction wasn't it yeah and it wasn't I think, a private one so I think doesn't that mean that like anyone can come and try them basically but I think reading the Instagram posts that isn't what they were gonna let happen okay because I think that's what 
people were assuming. Yeah, like you can't have any Tom, Dick and Harry come and get on an Olympic horse that is known for being, you know, a little bit tricky. But I don't think that was what they were going to do. But I think that caused a media uproar. Another thing I found interesting as well was that it wasn't just Bohemian. No, there were two other horses involved in that as well. But it was only Bohemian that people were talking about because people had put emotion, well, that's attached emotion to him. You know, obviously he's more well known, but the other horses are competing at the same level, aren't they? Yeah. And so I just found that interesting that it was like, oh, no, we must save Bohemian. Bohemian, you know, cannot be sent to an auction. Don't really care about the other two horses. Yeah, I did find that a bit weird. I, I found like, that weird. The thing that I find always difficult with things like this is people in the world are not going to spend one and a half million pounds on a horse just to abuse it. They're not going to buy it and abuse it. If you really want to be complaining about things, look at the dodgy dealers that are trying to sell you a horse that's beauted up to its eyeballs. Things like that should have way more traction than one horse that is looked after better than 99% of the world. I remember someone telling me when we were trying to sell one of our horses and I was so upset because I was like, I don't want to sell them. And they went, people don't buy horses to not treat them well. Yeah, and it's like you say, spending that level of money, I mean, if you've got a budget of 1.5 million to spend on one singular horse, I mean, the chances are he's going to have such a high standard of living in terms of like facilities, care, upkeep, feed, physio, you know, you wouldn't spend that money and then just not further invest in the horse in terms of like care. Yeah, so I mean, the whole thing is quite, it, it was very interesting reading and I recommend like any of our listeners who not sure what we're talking about, go and have a look online and read the articles because I just found it so interesting because you know, the dressage world's pretty sedate most of the time. And then just every now and then it's like, boom, beef. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. And I hope you will all join me in wishing me a happy birthday. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Can we all that's come together and... Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. 26. 26, man. But also, I'd like to say now that the idea of That's Lame has been alive for a year now. Is 26 going to be a big year for you? Yeah. Your 26th year, is it? Yeah, it's going to be huge. Is it massive? Absolutely massive. Big year coming up. Yeah, my life's going to really start. <laughs> 26, everyone says when you turn 26, that's when life begins. Is that what they say? No. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Just made it up. Alrighty then, guys. We will see you next week. Love Thank you. Bye. bye.